I have also hit the button. That might be on most distinct of button hit. But that has been. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I guess we, we finally got, got it. <laughs> <laughs> finally. Well, you know, it's it's all been practiced leading up to this one. Right. Uh, I guess I will hit the summary. Is there a witch in the woods? A curse on your camp? A haunting in your home? It's time to find out. Welcome to the Cow Hour. I'm your host, Briar. And I'm Nora. And this week we've watched Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Released in 1984, directed by Joseph Zito, and produced by Frank Mancuso Jr. It is the final Friday the 13th movie in our long watch of this franchise. Thank you for all sticking with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one other spinoff where uh, Jason fights some guy. I think it's related to Aliens vs. Predator. Um, but, you know, that's not really important. Yeah, we don't talk about that one. <clears throat> um, have I'm you watched the- any other movies lately? I have. I went slightly off script and watched a horror movie on my own time. This was Ooh. maybe a month ago at this point, so I don't super remember it. But I watched Blood and Black Lace uh, from 1964. It is a giallo film, which is an Italian genre of sort of thrillers and horror movies. Uh, this is basically where like the model for slasher movies comes from. Hmm. Um... Especially like the 1980s ones, like Friday the 13th, Halloween, stuff like that. It is kind of a template for where those would go. I don't know that it was super great. I imagine back in the 60s, this was sick as all hell. Um, but it was a enjoyable watch, at least. Very That's stylish. Good. Definitely stylish in a way like these movies aren't, really. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at some screenshots now, and there's like... What would I call this? I guess I would call it um, cinematography seems to be on display here. (laughs) Uh, Things are framed. There's like set design. There's colors. Yeah. Not many many colors. Well, I guess there are some colors, but not in a flashy way. I mean, there's colors in the sense that, oh, there's a red thing in this scene and it really stands out because it's bright red. And it's intentionally bright red, it seems, so. Hmm. Uh, I have watched a horror movie during this podcast that wasn't for the podcast, but I don't remember if I talked about it at the time. Which one was it? Did I ever talk about The Hunger? No, I don't think you did. It's a vampire movie um, starring David Bowie. Oh. Uh, It's really good kind of weird um but very i don't know how to describe it really (laughs) um let me get you the the year what year was that 1983 it was very 1983 um it starts off with like a, a bauhaus concert uh featuring Bauhaus on screen. Uh and if you Google the Hunger, you do get a bunch of Hunger Games images, unfortunately. But you do also get some pictures from this movie. Um Basically it's uh a vampire couple and one of them starts to age really, really fast. Uh and then after he dies, the woman uh seduces this other lady and they have some cool uh back and forth and drama ensues and you know it's the only movie i can think of that gets more gay after david bowie leaves the film damn that's impressive yeah some some primo um gay sitting in chairs shots i love to sit in chairs with other women um i really enjoyed it it was neat um very strong sense of um i don't know like it it felt a little surreal but not overly so just like Mm. strung together enough 
to to make literal sense, but still always had this sort of feeling like it could be a dream. Yeah, just um, kind of always lingering there at the edges. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. It's good shit. It's got a... <clears throat> the tagline according to this poster is nothing human loves forever damn ain't that true i guess so oh wikipedia does describe it as an erotic horror film hmm. you know what else i would describe as an erotic horror film what in much worse terms uh-huh uh friday the 13th the final chapter That's the movie we watched. Damn right. Would you like me to summarize it for you? Can I summarize it for you? Um, sure. That's not usually how this goes, but... <laughs> That's my summary. But you can do yours, too. Thank you. Uh, I will go <laughs> right ahead with that. Uh, I guess, like, content warnings in this one for bloody violence. You've seen a Friday the 13th movie. Y'all know what happens in here. Um, I just like some fat phobia and like general misogyny shit. Mm-hmm. That's how more so be. than previously. Yeah, this one kind of just goes at it for a good half of the movie. This movie is too long. Oh yeah, um, it's ninety minutes, or actually, it's like an hour twenty-one if you don't watch the credits. Um, but it took me over two and a half hours to finish it because i just wasn't enjoying myself at all uh which hasn't happened since krampus <laughs> it like truly drags it's uh i mean we'll get that yeah so we recap the broad events of the first three movies as the police clean up after the ending of the third jason assumed to be dead alongside everyone else is taken to the hospital and put in the morgue there, he reawakens suddenly with basically no explanation and butchers the overly horny coroner as well as a nurse before fleeing the scene. The following day, six kids are headed to Crystal Lake by half of the weekend, and they are... I, I just want to interject here. Mm -hmm. You said that in, like, 12 seconds. That's like 10 <laughs> minutes of the movie. Yep. There is a lot of back and forth between this coroner and this nurse that just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, and it's not fun. Which is maybe more important. <laughs> uh, so we have these six kids, and they are, as Wikipedia lists them, Paul, who has no defining characteristics. Sam, who uh, is... Paul drove the car. True, I guess. He is the driving boy. Uh, He's Sam... the one with the hat. <laughs> Sam, who is his girlfriend. Sarah, who is a virgin. Thanks, Wikipedia. Doug, who is defined by being her boyfriend, and socially awkward Jimmy and Ted, who is a jokester. I think the last two are a little bit inaccurate, as this opening scene pretty clearly illustrates that Ted is a complete asshole, and that Jimmy is sort of his, like, anxious, beat-down friend who is just cowering under his bullshit all the time. Yeah, um, <clears throat> which is a uh, character type that this actor is uh, is pretty good at. Um, what is his name? God, I've already lost it. I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find it. Uh, it is Crispin Glover, who a year after this movie would appear in Back to the Future as the uh, teenage version of Marty McFly's dad, uh, which is this character, but like well written with jokes. Uh, uh, 
Uh, he does get one for the moment later. I don't remember. I, I remember generally uh, wanting something nice to happen to him at least once before he died. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, he gets to put in a sick burn on Teddy. But then does immediately die. Unfortunately. That's true. But that's these but his movies. Sick, his sick burn is... Check out these panties, bro. Oh, no, I'm talking about when he's like... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Oh, okay, the callback. Yes. <clears throat> gotcha. Uh, as they drive, they come across Pamela Voorhees' grave, which I'm not sure who paid for, as well as a hitchhiker that they are very rude to. She is basically the only like non-child in this movie who isn't positioned as thin and attractive, and she is immediately harassed and killed. Which, movies... Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's 40 years old. Shit hasn't changed. Uh, also, the killing starts very early in this movie, which I don't... Like, some of them happened earlier in the other movies. Some of them were in the prologues, but... <clears throat> um, this is just like, oh, now we're just in it. He's already here. He's killing people immediately. A lot of the kills in this movie are just, ah, I'm here now, and you're dead. Oh, yeah, that's no pacing uh, whatsoever. There's no, like, drawing that out. There's no, like, intent behind it, it feels like. Like, these things are not set up in any way. They're not, like, I don't know, karmic isn't really the right word. But, like, you know, there was the guy who did the archery thing, and then he gets shot with an arrow. Uh, There's, like, historically there were specific methods used that tied into, like things that the characters had done before but half of the time in this movie it's just aha it is time to have a death jason has picked up a nearby object yes maybe sometimes something that has been mentioned offhand before like a corkscrew sometimes you barely even see that it is a weird knife that he has for one shot yep because it is over and done within like a second sometimes it's a thing that he used in an early movie but they just use it again in a less interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, not, a, not a great movie, folks, as you might have figured out by now. Uh, not a good movie, uh, but I did, you know, whoever, I don't have on hand the director. Joseph Zito. Um, definitely has watched The Shining. Yeah, a um, lot of going through doors in this one. A lot of using a hatchet to go through a door in this one, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, also up the lake are the Jarvis family, a mother, daughter, and son. Tommy the son is very good at making horror movie prosthetics and props, which is really impressive considering that he's supposed to be a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, they meet the teens as they arrive, and that night, Tommy briefly watches one of them undress from his bedroom window and just loses his shit completely. Uh, this kid has never seen a titty before. Mm-hmm. Um, the next day, the teens all set out for the nearest town and meet a pair of twin sisters along the way, who Jimmy and Ted immediately claim for themselves. Uh, they all go skinny dipping together so you can look at some boobs, because that's what the movie is, I guess. Just tits and murder. This is a weird, like, escalation. Because, like, there were... Like, I'm... I'm blanking. I'm sure there were titties in the other movies, Yeah, right? there, was, there had to have been. There was, like, skinny-dipping scenes in the other ones, but there tended to be, like, one or two people who'd maybe snuck off on their own to do it. And this is just, like, everyone's like, yep, taking everything off. It seems like a weird, like... It's like every aspect of the other movies is exaggerated. So there's, like, more tits. There's more deaths. Yeah. But, like, there's less work being done with that like there's less characterization happening with the skinny dipping scenes not that the others were like brilliant character dramas or anything but it's like there's no underlying like anything to it just like just like the hitchhiker doesn't need to be in the movie nothing was added by having this character who seems like a nice person just show up, get called a cow, and then killed. Mm-hmm. Like, um, a there's lot of... nothing. There's nothing there except for the shock factor of oh, Jason kill. A happened. lot of things in this movie feel like just 
grabbing mm. things from the previous movies and trying to blow them up more, and it doesn't super work. Yeah. Like, I don't know how people watched this and then went back for another one in two years. I don't or know. a year. I it's don't one know. year. I don't know how they managed to, like, come around from this being the last one to making a new one in a year. That's uh, bizarre. I'm, I don't... I mean, they didn't make another one the next year. Oh, no, of course not. This was the last one. This is the final chapter. Yes. We would need some kind of new beginning to keep going with this. I can't imagine they'd get one after this, though. Uh, definitely not one that didn't have the iconic character in it. No, no. no. Anyway, Tommy, uh, who is a very horny 12-year-old, tries to go and look at them, but his sister Trish stops him and also gets herself invited to a party that night. Uh, they drive off, headed to town, I think, and on their way back meet a backpacker named Rob, who helps them when the car breaks down. Despite seeming a little suspicious, he says he's hunting bears, which Tommy seems to take issue with but doesn't have a chance to explain. They bring him back home to look at Tommy's cool props before he eventually kisses Trish goodbye and sets off to set up camp in the woods. Um, deeply weird to me that they would just like meet someone on the roadside and be like, yep, come into my house, come into my bedroom, look at my things. But maybe I'm just less I mean, trusting than of... people were in the 80s. One of them is a child. True, but the other one isn't, and maybe should have said something. Maybe, but she thought he was hot. Fair. That's one aspect of these movies that I will never be able to sympathize with, unfortunately. Thinking people are hot? I'm thinking the men are hot, primarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That one's just not happening for me, unfortunately. Uh, the teens are having a party, I mentioned earlier. And there's some romance bullshit, but nobody really cares about that, and eventually Sam goes outside to get naked and swim again. Believing Paul will come and find her, she swims out to a dinghy floating on the lake and climbs inside, when Jason appears suddenly and impales her on a harpoon from beneath. Paul does then pretty immediately come out looking for her, and also gets harpooned after finding her body. Um, gets kind of lifted up on it by the dick. Which... Do you get it? Yeah, I, I, I do, actually. Jason's is bigger. Damn. Makes you think about things. It doesn't, I'm sorry. Um, at his camp... <laughs> Makes me want to stop thinking about things. <laughs> just permanently. Uh, over at his camp, Rob hears the screams and picks up a machete. He wanders over to investigate, but ends up coming back after hearing someone at his camp. In about five seconds, Jason manages to go into his tent, snap his big rifle to pieces, fuck up his map, and then leave. There's a lot of Jason doing things super quickly off-screen in this movie. Yeah, and also just moving between scenes very quickly. Yeah, he's become omniscient to some degree. I guess he's a ghost now, so... Mm, yeah, I guess he just has supernatural powers. I mean, I guess that was always the case? Question mark? I mean, he does... His ex capabilities are unclear to me. He does extremely get his wrist, like, hatcheted through, and then his hand cut in half later in this movie, and still, like, grabs things just normally. Yeah, it's just that, like, nobody makes a point to say, oh, he's evil and fucked up like they do in Halloween. No. Like, Well, nobody really don't... does much talking about what's happening at all in this movie. Yeah, true. There's the whole, most of the movie is about the, uh, you know, romantic tensions between these characters uh, that I don't yeah. like or care about. It's largely just about like the weird dynamics of this group of people, three of which are strangers to the rest. Uh, <sighs> Jimmy and one of the twins fuck while downstairs, everyone remaining watches some vintage porn and are very rude and insulting about the women in it. The other, mm -hmm. <laughs> the other twin he's goes fucking leave. yucking it up too. Yeah, he's he's real. yucking it up for like what is implied to be like an hour or two. This is the funniest shit possible to Teddy. Wow. Incredibly funny. Seems like a great guy. Uh, the other twin goes to leave, but before she can bike away, is also killed by Jason and impaled against the wall of the house. Nobody hears or notices this. Uh, Sarah and Doug have maybe the only good romantic exchange in the entire movie, whilst Tommy's mother comes home to find the Jarvis house empty and the power out. She wanders outside and is taken by surprise, but we don't see what happens to her. I don't think we ever see her body. Not sure what happens to the Jarvis mother. 
I guess it's implied she's I, dead. I don't remember. Uh, she looks up and is shocked, and then it cuts away, and I don't think anything ever comes of that. Nope. Uh, I'd like to think she was surprised by something completely else and left. <laughs> she was like, "Oh, I'm. Oh, I'm done. Oh. I can go to. I could be in another movie now. I left. I left the oven on at my other home." Uh, Trish and Tommy get home to find the house similarly empty, and Trish heads out to find Rob for help. Well, I guess she goes to look for her mother, but stumbles to Rob's camp instead. Rob reveals that he is in fact here on Jason's trail, being the brother of someone killed in an earlier movie. I don't remember who, it doesn't matter. Jimmy wanders off to find a corkscrew, and gets a cleaver to his face instead. Uh, and back upstairs... He's, he's also yelling in a very... Uh, a very uh, McFly way, like, where's the corkscrew for the wine? He gets real cocky after having sex once. <laughs> Which, like, relatable. I'll be like that, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> upstairs, a living twin, having noticed that her sister's bike is still outside, goes to the window where she is immediately pulled through and tossed onto the top of a nearby car to her death. Uh, Jason, apparently having left the kitchen, scaled the house and found a secure foothold right next to one of her windows in maybe 20, 30 seconds. Um, really couldn't... Look, anything, anything that happens off screen, it just happens. It's it's like the time equivalent of Hammer Space. <laughs> I don't know what you would call it, but... Um, yeah, just kind of really cutting short the idea of her, like, doing any investigating here. That would have been nice. But no. We don't have time for any of that shit. Nope. I mean, I don't know, looking at this movie's runtime. We don't have time. We have to laugh at fat people. (sighs) Unfortunately. Tommy Jarvis goes to do some light electrical work in his basement. Teddy also gets stabbed, and Doug and Sarah have some fun in the shower. She heads to her bedroom to dry off, whilst Doug has his face crushed against the tiles. Uh, Sarah comes back and discovers his body, only to flee and get an axe thrown directly through the front door of the house and into her chest. I had to watch this a good, like, two or three times to understand what the fuck happened. (laughs) She's just, like, stood in front of the door. Suddenly there is a hole in the door, and then suddenly she is on her back and has a full, like, long-hafted like fire axe buried in her chest it's weird did he throw that through the like he must have yeah i don't really think those are weighted for throwing yeah it's a very strange scene um trish and rob manage to get back to the javis house they go to make a phone call but find that the phones are dead after uh jason just kind of rips the phone a phone thing off the side of the house? I don't know what phones were in the 80s. I assume that was an important box. Phone line? Sounds legitimate to me. Uh, so Trish and Rob uh-huh. head out with the dog to get for help at the teen's house. Um, they are not going to find it, unfortunately. Rob heads into the basement with a tiny knife, whilst Gordon, the, jo- the dog who has gone upstairs, jumps or is tossed through a window. It is very unclear. Um... <laughs> One sort of makes sense, I guess. The other makes none at all. But given the, you know, movie we're watching, it could have been either. He does go out like head first. It looks like he's jumping. It's. I mean, I guess they're not going to throw a dog out of window. I mean, Jason would, but he's also downstairs in about five seconds. So yeah, I'm saying I don't know that the people making this movie can like were capable of making a fake dog to throw out a window. So they could just train the dog to jump out the window. That does make more sense. Uh, Trish... Either way, the dog now exits the movie. Yes, we never see this dog again. No <laughs> idea what happens to it. Uh, upstairs. Which is fine. I I hope he has a better life out there. <laughs> it wouldn't be hard to. Gordon Free Dog. <laughs> uh, Trish, who has gone upstairs to follow Gordon, starts finding bodies upstairs. She rushes downstairs to find Rob, and he very slowly gets killed in the basement whilst yelling, Trish, run away! He's killing me! He's he's killing me! Oh god, he's killing me! 
has time to say it a good four or five times whilst Trish stands there. It's the funniest thing. I at this point I was like, okay, okay, this is all bad on purpose, <laughs> and he's like faking it, like he's in on some weird, like fake murder. This is a scream. I wish. Like he's a fake victim, but. No, he literally just screams, he's killing me, he's killing me, run. Please, uh, Trish, he's killing me, I'm dying. I'm dying, Squirtle. <laughs> it's it's the highlight of the movie, I think, but not in the way that it, <laughs> any scene should be. Um, Trish then runs away and does the classic Friday the 13th find all of the bodies at once bit before running back to her own home to reunite with Tommy. They try and secure the windows until Rob's body is tossed immediately through one and breaking it. Jason tries to grab Tommy through a different window, but Trish bonks him on the head with a hammer like 30 times before putting the pointy end through his shoulder, which causes him to drop Tommy. They flee upstairs and take shelter in Tommy's room after moving the bookcase sort of halfway over the door. Not sure why they stopped. Mm -hmm. Um... It doesn't work. Jason manages to start breaking through the door, and Trish slams a computer monitor onto his head, which briefly knocks him out. Um, ripped to that monitor, I guess. They were probably expensive in the 80s. That's the one he was playing Zaxxon on at the beginning of the movie. True. I didn't mention it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, to- Tommy? Is that his name? Yes. Tommy Jarvis. Tommy Jarvis, who, if I were to make more movies, I would maybe cast an adult as a grown-up Tommy Jarvis for the next two movies, if I were going to make more movies. See, if I was going to make more movies, I would just continue to have 12-year-old Tommy Jarvis be the leading man. (laughs) It's it's kind of funny. (laughs) Um, He does not really act like a child very much in this movie, aside from specific points. He's just yeah. a, he does like a lot of electrical work and prop work. It's weird. Um When the car breaks down, like Trish sends him out to fix it. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like a weird jealousy vibe when what's his name? Rob? Is that his name? Yes. Rob shows up and like, oh I can fix it. I've got a knife in my boot because he doesn't have a screwdriver to fix it, but the knife works. It's like between this and some of the interactions between Ted and Jim, there's like a weird undercurrent about what masculinity is in this movie. Yeah, there's, um, there's like a little but, bit of a jealous vibe to this thing you mentioned, but it is also like a weird bonding thing in which he's like, oh, like I, I know this thing, you know this thing. We can have like a man conversation. Yeah, but it's it's like this weird meandering sort of like maybe not meandering maybe just flailing it's like there's a theme here and we're like splashing in it but we're not gonna make a thesis statement about it we're just going to have a lot of very charged scenes that imply something about what masculinity should be uh, but not, never actually like pull that together or challenge those, uh, those notions. No, not really. We're not, we are neither going to challenge them, nor like show some kind of actualization or like actual culmination of what that is in regards to the story, or like interplayed with the events of the story. It's just going to be a weird vibe, as like. A kid gets a scene that feels like it was written for, like, a a fully grown adult. Yeah. Which does work for me. I think that's kind of funny. But the rest of this movie almost feels in a way like, oh, look what happens to Tommy when he doesn't have a good male role model. Except he does. He gets slowly killed whilst yelling that he's dying. <laughs> like, ah. You see, it's too late. It's too late for him. Because he's spent... 12 years without a man around, and now... Yeah, and he's become a fucking, like, expert prop artist. (laughs) 
So that that raises the question: like, is is it good that he didn't have a male role model, so he like became a self-made man and like is this prodigy, or is it bad because he he doesn't know how to like interact with the other people around him outside of like we, his skills? We never hear about the mum having a job. Is Tommy Jarvis the breadwinner of the Jarvis family? <laughs> uh I don't I don't know. I assume that there's two lines at the beginning about what her job is. I don't remember what that is though. There's like she has a conversation at the very beginning, but I don't I don't remember if that was actually about her job or not. Uh, before he like put takes the mask off and stops playing the video game. But I'm going to choose to believe the thing that I said is true because <laughs> that does improve the movie a little bit for me. Self-made man Tommy Jarvis. It's just like a thing I noticed that felt really aimless and really like didn't seem to end up anywhere. Uh, But was definitely a thing I was thinking about watching it. Um, I don't know that I have like a conclusion to draw about that other than most of the pieces of this movie feel kind of cobbled together uh, based on intuition more than intent. So yeah, maybe that's maybe that is my thesis. And like looking at a synopsis of the next movie that they didn't make, I don't think it goes anywhere. Oh, cool. Um, Which is unfortunate. I mean, event. I mean, the real shit is that at some point one of these movies is called Jason Takes Manhattan. Like I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> at some point, there's a. A corner is turned. I mean, at, at some point, Jason does end up in space. Yeah, but right before that, he's in hell. True. That's he goes from Manhattan to hell to space. Uh, so I don't know what's up with um, five, six, and seven. Do you ever think about how we have a Friday the Thirteenth like video game, and it's like a co-op like? 1v4 thing and not just you are Jason, go through these levels, one of which is hell and one of which is space. <laughs> um, everyone in video games is a coward. Except me. I would do that. Um, I'm just googling Jason X video game just to see. Maybe I just know. I'm gonna hit the last paragraph of this summary. Oh! There was cancelled Jason X DLC for the video game we just mentioned. Damn. I can't imagine if why the they felt ha- we need to cancel that. Well the game is cancelled. That that's where I was that's where I was going. But uh Wild. Yep. Speaking of things that are wild, Trish gives our good friend Jason the runaround after jumping through a window. Um, there's just, like, a long shot of her, like, lay on the floor with her dress up, so you can see her underwear. Not sure why. But that's how movies be, I guess. <laughs> um, and while Tommy is supposed to be fleeing to safety, he instead gives himself an impromptu makeover, shaving all of his hair off to look like the bedraggled kid Jason from the lake in the first movie. Kind of? Like... I guess, like, I I didn't understand this at all. Like, he's looking at a picture of of Kid Jason, uh, a a sketch of him, but, like, his end result doesn't look like that, and he has the prosthetic skill that, like, I guess I would be more willing to believe if he had, like, a weird face head mask that he could put on, but, like, he wouldn't have been able to make that on a moment's notice and the his end result here doesn't look like anything from any of these movies i like don't understand how you make this movie and don't have it be an established plot point earlier that tommy had already seen this newspaper report and had already made a mask based on it yeah you could like, even have the maybe scene that's where rob comes make into that the, the mask yeah exactly where he shows rob one of his masks why did why not make this one, and then you can have Rob react in some way yep. as if he were a character being written. <laughs> like so Then we have like another extra lead into what Rob's shit is. Yeah. God, it's so easy to make movies. It's so easy. You can just make them good. 
<laughs> it's strange that people choose not to. Uh, confronted with a vision of his childhood, I guess, in a weird and contrived redo of the other movie where this happened better, Jason is distracted. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, he is entranced, according to the wiki. <laughs> Trish swings at him with a machete and knocks off his mask to reveal that between movies they've made him even more cartoonishly disfigured for some reason. Uh, the second movie also did this reveal for shock value. You cannot keep doing it. It doesn't work. Uh, anyway, Tommy Jarvis picks up the machete and puts it clean through Jason's head before falling over, very indulgently sliding down the upturned blade into his face. He twitches a little, and Tommy goes sicko mode on the body, chopping it up. Uh, this is framed as like harrowing and terrifying that Tommy is doing this, but it is perfectly logical and maybe the most sensible thing that anyone has ever done in these movies. Um, good job, yeah, TJ. I don't know why no one ever does this. Yep, you gotta go for the double tap. This guy keeps I'm, getting up. I mean, I guess it's like ah, this hence the, hence the movie <laughs> because nobody ever acts like a a, a a real person or or anything. Like, of course, they don't act like logically in the horror movie. I understand that. It's just like, well, if you the after the first time you see somebody get back up after you kill them, like maybe get a little creative. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like first movie, you know, fool me once. That was that was uh, Pamela, you know, yeah. different person. Second movie, like, oh, this is Jason's first showing. You know, fool me twice. That's fine. Third movie, you should maybe know about. You should know what's going on at this point. Nobody should be going near Camp Crystal Lake without being like fully armed. Uh, but even then, Jason can. Uh, shine spark into your tent and break your gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he I'm just, just looking at. I'm just looking at some um, of some things that Jason's face could look like if someone made more movies. Oh, hypothetically. Um, hypothetically, yeah, and he does keep changing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, can you imagine if there was one where, it, like. He was super jacked up, and the mask was kind of sunk into his face. Oh, that would be cool. That would be a good one for going to hell, I think. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, ah, we're nearly there. It's weird we that he's, he's this like movie. changes so much. I mean, I guess like a lot of shit happens to him. <laughs> Hypothetically uh, speaking, of course. If they kept making these hypoth- movies, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was going to say they made him less ugly in this one, but then that's not Jason. No. That's that's the thing. Uh, anyway, in the final scene, Trish and Tommy are reunited in the hospital. They hug as Tommy flashes a wide-eyed look at the camera and the credits roll. And that's Friday the 13th, the final chapter, the last one they made. <laughs> He, his eyes know the weight of what he's done. Damn. I sure hope nothing happens to that child any further. Not that it could, because this is the last movie that they made. Exactly. Uh, this movie's bad. Oof. This movie fucking sucks. Um, On top of the other things we've mentioned about how it's like, uh, you know, sexist and fat phobic and all that it is also just extremely fucking boring mm-hmm. you could cut like half this movie <sighs> you could cut all this movie <laughs> you could just not on this one i don't know um you could cut like a no- bunch of the kills and the movie would be better and that's maybe the most damning thing you can say about a slasher movie i think i'm not even saying that the last one was that good I thought, it was okay. I thought we liked the last one more than the middle one. I don't remember which one we liked. I think yeah. the, the first one was, was decent. Two and three um, have sort of blended together in my head. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the only image I have in my head is Jason with the with the, with the the sack over his head. Yeah, that was cooler. Tr- with the farm trident, you know the farm trident, that thing. Yes, I don't the farm know what it's called. 
Farm trident. What's it called? A hoe? I don't remember. Um, it's a pitchfork. <laughs> oh, a pitchfork. Um, right. Yeah, I like. I remember Jason. the biker gang. Oh, the bikers were cool. Um. Instead, this movie has teens. Tits. Do you do you remember the teens' names? Do you remember the characteristics of the teens? I two of them are twins. Damn. Which is basically like getting an extra character <laughs> for free. Um, there's Ted or Teddy Bear. He's the one who uh, thinks he knows about sex. Uh, there's Jimbo. He's the one who uh, is self-conscious about sex. Um, there's Paul, who drives the car. And there's the other guy, who I only remember because he sings in the shower and then makes a gay joke. Yeah, and that gets Specifically, A, like, drops the, sh- drop the soap joke. That specific type of of gay mm-hmm. joke. Um, and then he just kind of gets grabbed by the face and dies. That scene is maybe the most egregious. Like, someone is in the same room as Jason, but doesn't, like, get scared in any way. There's, like, 20 seconds of him saying, Hello? Hello? Is, is that a murderer? Is that my friend Paul, Paul maybe? It's, it's like he recorded several different takes because that's how a movie works. But then the director's like, ah, oh, yes, now this is the scene. Oh, this is all good. Put it all in. Oh, dear. That's cl- that must be what they did for Rob as well. We're just like, wow, all, all the takes of this dialogue are bad. Let's not interrogate why that is and just put them all in. I'm looking at other movies directed by Joseph Zito. I've never heard of any of them. Uh, no, neither have I. I wonder why. There's one called Abduction. Unfortunately, it's not the Taylor Lautner vehicle. Mm, that's a shame. Oh, he made a movie uh, with Chuck Norris in. I guess that means he's, like, had some clout. Uh um, see, these are these are actors I've heard of. I've never heard of these movies, though. Most interesting thing on his director list is directing uh, the music video for the Alice Cooper song that was never made, but would have been made if there was a sixth Friday the 13th movie where Jason returns from the dead. Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically speaking. The song would have been heard various times throughout the film, and probably in the end credits. Yeah, now that we've watched a bunch of these, basically the only thing I remember soundtrack-wise is just the, like, the one track. You know which one I'm talking about. I, and that and the one sound effect when something happens. Yeah. They, they, got, that, <laughs> they got that money's worth. That's Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. The last one they made. The last one they made. That's the hidden extra subtitle. This film has an alternate ending. Oh? Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find a little subheader here. In the 2009 Deluxe Edition DVD... Uh, shows a dream sequence where Trish and Tommy wake up the next morning after killing Jason to the sound of police sirens. Trish sends Tommy to summon the police who have arrived next door. At that point, she notices water dripping from the ceiling and goes to investigate. When she enters the upstairs bathroom, she finds the body of her mother drowned in the bathtub and begins to cry. But then Mrs. Jarvis's eyes open, revealing demonic white eyes. As Trish turns around, Jason appears behind her and strikes her down. Trish then suddenly wakes up in the hospital in a scene reminiscent of the ending of the first movie. In the in the commentary, the director says this scene was cut because it interfered with the idea that this would be the final film. I don't know that he's right. Don't all the others have a, a similar, like, flashback scene? 
don't know. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> fucking whatever. <laughs> they fucking turn around and hypothetically made another one within a year anyway. Oh, dear. Is there, is there somewhere more fun that you can take us? Possibly. No. <laughs> um, Damn. I will say that, uh... Let me see. I, I, I found, like, a one-off line about... Oh... So just to break kayfabe, apparently Friday the 13th 5, A New Beginning, is widely considered to be the worst in the series, mainly because of the twist ending. I don't know, I feel like this one sucked shit. Yeah, like, what? what is, can you name a good thing about this movie? Um, an intentional one? The, the only good part of this movie is the music scene. Where Jim dances to ACDC, I think. Um, I don't... That's fun. But, like, that's 30 seconds uh, yes. of a 90-minute movie. I do, in fact, remember that now. More importantly, I want to download that scene so that I can get the part where the other person says, oh, check this out. You'll like this. And then puts on different music so that I can edit it to uh, put in any song I want. <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty good scene. I'll give it that one. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go to the Funko Zone. Please take me with you. Please, God. Fall in love with Wetmore Forest. Excuse me? A world of imagination. <laughs> Fall in love with it. It's Wetmore Forest. Oh, dear. Uh, right here on the front page, I'm noticing a lovely new line of Disney's Mulan pop figures. Make sure not to buy any of those or support those in any way, please. But they are based on the cartoon, because... Yes. Of course they are. Which is weird. Um, you know what time it is. I do. You know the deal. Please, please take me to the thing. Uh, we're going to take uh, the title. We're going to put it in the bar. Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. We get one result. Mm -hmm. So this week you will be reviewing uh, Export Audio, Cower Hour, will be reviewing Pennywise It. Um, what? Pennywise It. Uh, this isn't the movie that we watched, Nora. But that's what came up. <laughs> hmm. Well, this is Pennywise from the movie It. I, I'm being told that I could buy a pop accessory premium pop protector and that they are better together. I'll keep that in mind as I you know, formulate this score here. Um, this seems to have been like a mistake during the manufacture. This guy's got a lot of cracks around his forehead. Not sure what that's about. Um, that's gonna knock some score away from me. Uh, aside from that, maybe it's brain. Maybe maybe this guy got real so such a big brain that it is pushing through the pop material. Does Pennywise get brain in that movie? <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it. Um, this guy's outfit kind of looks like it's, like, not got individual pant legs. Mm -hmm. It does look like he has a rope around his ankle, also. He's mm -hmm. kind of tied up, and I'm not sure that is supposed to be what I'm seeing here. Um, this guy's really bland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of would expect better with Pennywise, who's, like, a fairly iconic horror character, I feel like. What if clown but scary? What if clown but scary, yes. What um, if a clown was fucked up? I'm not sure what he's doing with his hands here. Sorry for my phone making noise. 
Um, he's doing some weird stuff with his fingers. I'm not going to ask too many questions about that. Um, scrolling down, there is a version of this Pennywise holding a balloon that says, I love Derry on it, which I'm pretty sure is a place in Ireland, maybe? Uh, maybe a place that features in the Pennywise uh is Derry maybe the name of the town in Maine that this takes place in? Oh, maybe. I don't know anything about towns. That's I don't a know lot. anything, period. Yeah, I guess neither do I. Um, anyway, in summary, Pennywise from It. I've ran the numbers. I've looked at his weird clown shoes. It's going to be mm. a zero from me, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I know that seems harsh, but that's just... I feel pretty strongly about you gotta, it. You gotta live your truth. I do. Uh, Ruth, Gade, Ruth Bader Ginsburg still on the front page of Funko.com right now. I don't like that. I don't like Funkos of real people. That's yeah, that's no me. good. There's a Farrah Fawcett one that is sat is like sat down lounging. That's not the shape the Funkos are. What? Yeah, yeah. Look at this. The fuck is going on here? I feel like rules have been broken. You can't have them acknowledge the size of their own head. No, like, this is deeply wrong to me. Also, scrolling down, I saw Vincent Van Gogh again, and he just looks like Louis C.K. to me. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe is here. It does look like he's dying. As I guess most depictions of Edgar Allan Poe do. <laughs> A famous director, J.J. Abrams, is here. Could not pick him out of a lineup. Oh, I could. Those fucking glasses. Does he have iconic glasses that I didn't know about? Uh, he has, like... J.J. Abrams' is, iconic glasses coming with the pre-order. <laughs> what, is it, what is that kind of glasses called? You know... N- nerd... <laughs> Okay, I wore thick-rimmed black glasses for a while, for a hot minute. Please pick your words carefully, Nora. <laughs> I don't know. I see these glasses and I think, nerd dad with a podcast. Damn, okay. Well, one out of three, I guess. <laughs> <sighs> that's it. Yeah, that's... I'm, done. I'm leaving Funko. I'm going to eject from the Funko zone. Glad the website worked this time. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we need to cover? Do we have any questions or anything? Uh, we might have had an email. Ooh. Good thing you reminded me. Happy to help. That's why I'm here for. I don't. I'm not logged into the email on my computer. I gotta use my phone. Oh right, there is not a cower hour email address. We just use the export audio one. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. We got an email from Tron. Thank you, Tron. Um, what was the funniest scene in this movie for you? Uh, it was most definitely the scene with Rob in the basement, where he is just ta- <laughs> telling us about what's happening to him. He's just narrating. He's killing me. I'm dying. He's Trish, please me. run away. <laughs> But pay attention to me, I'm dying. Please don't go yet, I'm not finished. Um, 
How did you feel about the cold stare ending? <laughs> Shit. Does it fill you with dread about the future of this child? No, it just feels like incredibly rote. Just like, oh no, he did the he did the fucked up thing, and now he's fucked up. Oh no, evil lives on. Bum, bum, bum. <sighs> All right, well, I think that's the podcast. I think that might be the podcast. Yes, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. You can find the stuff I do at NoraBlake.online. Uh, you can find the podcast at ex- patreon.com slash exportaudio. Donating gets you access to bonus shows, which are cool and fun. And you can find me on Twitter at Wegazel, and you can find a link to all the things I do at Wegazel.com. But for now and for a while, time is up for the Cow Hour. We are taking a little break for a while. Um, I'm not sure how long that break is going to be. Um, you know, maybe it comes back earlier without me for a while. I'm stepping back to deal with some shit uh, and to get some actual work done. Yeah. I have things so, I need to finish. Um, we will be taking a hiatus and it'll be back if and when it comes back. Yes. Uh, thank you for coming with us on this journey. Into the Funko Zone, and occasionally some movies. And thank you for listening to what you could say is our final chapter. Well, hypothetically, there may be more. We would need a new beginning to make more. We would indeed. See, I'm doing Friday the 13th Part 4 final chapter again, because I'm just reusing the thing I did earlier. Ah. See, movies are easy to make. Really easy. So, we are closing our doors for a little while. Maybe we'll see you again. Until then, and good night. Good night.